Life Audio. Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. 1 Peter 3.15 reminds us to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. Be ready to always uh, answer each man and woman's question, the reason for the hope that lies within us, and to do it with gentleness and respect. Uh, It's one of the core passages we use for Christian apologetics. And today we have a treat. Uh, There's a book that I peruse is called Grand Central Question. And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. With the subtopic of answering the critical concerns of the major worldviews and the author is Abdul Murray and we have Brother Murray on the show today. Uh, Brother Murray, how are you? Oh, uh, Perseus, I'm, I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. Excellent, excellent. Thank you for uh, being here with us. So with your uh, book and the title, what, what was the impetus for writing this book? Well, based on my own journey of coming to faith uh, in Christ, you know, I came through apologetics, actually, um, and uh, I was born into a Muslim family. And uh, after looking, taking nine years to look at the historical, philosophical, and theological underpinnings for the major r- religious systems, the worldviews, whether they're atheistic or they're religious, uh, I was really convinced that only the Christian faith really answered the core questions of life. But um, along the way, as I was engaging with people of non-Christian worldviews, um, I began to see something, and that is that Every major worldview tries to answer basically four main questions, and um, the Christian uh, faith actually affirms those questions. Those are the right questions to ask, but each worldview, whether it's secular humanism or the pantheistic thinking of the, of the East or Islam, they claim to answer at least one of those questions better than everybody else does. And so what I really was trying to get at with the book was, how does the Christian faith affirm those questions, but offer better answers to those questions than those worldviews do themselves. So what we're trying to do is 
build a bridge basically and say, how do these lines of thinking converge? Like, a, like the station that like the trains do at Grand Central Station, <laughs> they all come together in one spot, but we all go to, we all go to, the, to the correct destination. We're not all going to the right destination, but where do we find the answers that lead us to the right destination? I appreciate that. So these four fundamental questions of life, uh, mm-hmm. l- let's kind of touch on them uh, as much as possible. Yeah. And I believe the first one is existence, correct? Absolutely, yeah. How did we get here? And uh, how do we get here and why are we here? What, what, what is this all about? Yeah, so origins and uh, the meaning behind our origins. That's really, the, I think, the first and fundamental question, absolutely. And, and that, to me, is a great starting point because mm-hmm. everybody around the mm-hmm. globe asks the question, why are we here and how do we get here? Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, for, for that to be a fundament, fundament, fundamental question, I do, you, you absolutely own it. So I appreciate that. Now, the second point yeah. is, yeah. and this is what I think a lot of Christians need to work on, is how to explain our objective purpose and our value. Can you touch on that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is something that uniquely the Christian faith can offer us. Because um, every worldview is trying to answer this. And if you look at a secular humanistic worldview, um, and I touch uh, quite a bit on this in the, in the book, is secular humanism, you can get its grand central question right from the title of it. It's, humanism is the idea that human beings are special, that we have some kind of objective value and objective purpose. And by that, of course, what we mean is that we have value and purpose irrespective of our opinions about that. In other words, it doesn't depend on us, the subject, like, you know, is chocolate better than vanilla kind of a thing? That's a subjective view. Mm-hmm. But is it objectively true? Like the world is round. Even if no one believed it, it would still be true. Um, and so humanists would basically claim that human beings are value-laden uh, and we have purpose and meaning, but we don't need God. That's the secular part for it. And uh, other worldviews try to do this as well. And I think Christians do have to actually speak directly into this because we have something in the Christian view that when we unpack it actually gives real value and purpose and meaning objectively to our lives. And that starts with this idea that we, ha- we bear the image of God. And that why, why that leads to our idea of, of, of value and purpose is that God is the seat of all being. He's not just a being. He is the source of all other being. He is the source of existence. He's the necessary being. And so he would be the transcendent objective being. That means that if he values you, mm-hmm. then you have objective value. Now, how, does he, how do we know he values us? And, you know, Perseus, in the book I go through um, uh, a conversation I have with, with an atheist friend of mine mm-hmm. whose, mother died, whose mother died when he was really young. And he asked the question, how do I know that this God that you're claiming to exist in is good and values me or my mother when he let her die when I was 10? And we, we walked through a lot of things and a lot of, a lot of answers to this question. But I said, I basically went down to this. I said, look, how do you know how valuable anything is? You know how valuable something is by what you're willing to pay for it. Mm. And you can know, and, your, and you can know that you and your mother have an infinite value because as a matter of history, not just hope, but a matter of actual history. Jesus died on the cross claiming to pay the debt that you and I owe. So he, and then he rose from the dead to prove he was right. What that means is, is that the that, that it's not a matter of hope. It's only it's a matter of history that gives us hope. Mm. And so, if God paid an infinite price for us, 
then we have an infinite value, and that allows us to spend an infinite eternity with him. And I think that is not just a theory. You know, God moves in mysterious ways. Well, a lot of people could say that. Mm -hmm. A Christian can say, I know that God can use suffering and can can work through things that were were never really intended in terms of our, our current predicament, but he can use those things to show us our value because he actually did that through his own son. Mm. I I like the way that you just explained it. It, it is mm. it's real, it's transparent, and it's um simple enough for everybody to grasp mm. it. Um that God sent Jesus as the mm. payment for our condition, which is the next fundamental question. What accounts yeah. for the human condition? Please touch on that for yes, us. Indeed. Absolutely. And um you know, in various worldviews, let's, let's look at the, 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 you know, from a secular humanist standpoint, what accounts for the human condition is essentially we haven't evolved yet, and we are evolving more and more, and so we get better and better as we learn more and more stuff and we spread resources around. Of course, you, you know, even Yuval Harari and other secular um, thinkers would say, you know, advancement doesn't always mean that we're getting better. There are mm-hmm. things that are actually getting worse despite our advancement. So that's one thing. Um, Islam would say that the reason why we're in the condition we're in is because we haven't lived up to the law enough. We haven't lived up to Islamic law enough, and then if we did do that and impose that sort of uh, Islamic worldview and Islamic law, we would have a perfect society. Um, Pantheism uh, is an interesting one, because this is the one where I, I touch on a lot in the book as well. Pantheism, this includes Hinduism and Buddhism and various other uh, Eastern religions and even Western versions of it, like uh, the New Age, even mm-hmm. Scientology and these views. They're very pantheistic in their thinking. And the idea here is that suffering in this world is an illusion because this world itself or our lives are themselves an illusion. So you and I, for example, a pantheist would say is that you and I are under the illusion that we're not divine. And that, you know, to quote Deepak Chopra or Vivekananda mm-hmm. or all these guys, we're, we're gods and goddesses in embryo. Mm-hmm. But the reality is not only are we a god or a goddess, we are actually one. We're all the same god, and we have the illusion of our distinctiveness. And so through cycles of death and rebirth, we'll eventually wake up to our divinity and we'll be free of this illusion of this life, which will help us be free of the illusion of our suffering. And that's their explanation for it. And so the central question for pantheism is, how do I escape the human condition? And it's to think think through that the human condition is an illusion. The Christian faith says, no, what you have to recognize is that suffering is not an illusion. So serious is suffering, so real is suffering, that you're not supposed to escape it. It's supposed to be dealt with, actually, Mm. you know, in, in reality dealt with. And the maker of all of existence himself recognizes suffering to be such a real thing and that you are not divine, but he is. <laughs> he recognizes that so much that he sends his son to die for us. In fact, you know, Perseus, that's, that's, that's actually what original sin actually is. Right. The original sin of Adam and Eve is not that they disobeyed God. Their disobedience was a symptom of the human condition, which is, The truth was we were supposed to be with God. That's our purpose. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back.
but they wanted to be God. And right. that is the original issue. And so the irony here is that when the pantheist says you, need, you, can, you can be free of suffering by recognizing your divinity, the Christian faith says that's the very thing that causes your suffering, <laughs> that you think you are divine. Right. And so we, try to, so we try to actually say you don't have to escape this. There is a way to deal with it. And on this side of heaven, suffering will still exist. But on the other side of heaven, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man that which God has prepared for those who love him. So suffering will have an end. It just won't have an It won't be because we've waved our hand and the illusion goes away, because the reality has been dealt with. Oh, thank you. That is um, a good way to, to state uh, what accounts for our human condition from a Christian perspective, mm. not the last one, you touched on it, is is mm-hmm. there a better life or salvation mm. from our present state? And all of these worldviews touch on it, but go ahead and please uh, uh, explain it for us. Yeah, absolutely. So when you look at uh, like, like a secular viewpoint, you know, it's just one of these things that um, is a mystery because oftentimes a secular person would say, hey, look, um, there is no heaven. There's nothing coming after this. You know, sort of a John Lennon imagine kind of thing, that song. Imagine there's no heaven, uh, no hell below us, no nothing to live or die for, and that kind of thing. And I always wondered, why is that an inspiring song? <laughs> uh, imagine there's nothing to live or die for. You know, that's a, that's, a, that's a weird thing to be inspired by. Because, here's why, though. Because if there is no, no afterlife after this, and if a person believes in objective justice, or objective compassion as real things, and there's nothing beyond this life, two things I think follow from that. One, that all of our good, all of our bad, all these things will dissolve into oblivion right. at some point. Because the universe, according to the science, and I think this is right, outside of God's sustaining hand, is if the laws of entropy actually hold, the universe is grinding down to a heat death. All the available energy in the universe will be used up, and it'll essentially be distributed equally across the universe, and it'll become a flat, featureless disk for a long time, but it will eventually happen, which means that it'll all come to nothing. If it all comes to nothing, then everything we do has no purpose, has no value, has no meaning, ultimately. Maybe for the short term, maybe in this life, but ultimately it means nothing, which means that Mother Teresa gave her life in service to the children and the orphans of India. Adolf Hitler gave his life, took his own life in service to Adolf Hitler. Right. And both of them, both of them have the same reward, oblivion. Right. And, that and that doesn't seem right. There's something that we bristle about with regard to that. Um, but uh, with the Christian faith, now, uh, we have a distinction, of course. When you look at Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, even atheism to some degree, and every other sort of ultimate worldview, what you'll notice is this that they're all superficially the same in some ways, but fundamentally they are in fact different, mm-hmm. except, in this one, except in this one way. Here's the one way. Islam, if, you, if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you get to go to heaven, there's an afterlife for you. That's pleasant. If not, then it's hell. In, uh, in uh, Buddhism and Hinduism, uh, some form of this exists in the various strands of it, that if you, if you, if you work off your karma, if you are enlightened, if you accrete good karma to yourself, whatever, you either achieve release from the cycle of death and rebirth or, um, or enlightenment and become one with the, with the impersonal uh, creative force of the universe, the Brahman, but you have to do good things. 
even in atheism, if we do enough good things for our fellow man, we'll achieve a Star Trek-like, Star Trek-like existence where our lives will be extended and the quality of life will go on and on and all that stuff. We'll find a way out of this mess. You'll notice what's common to all three of these. What's common to all three of these is that if you do enough good things, right. you can be your own savior. The Christian faith is unique in that it says the reason for our existence is fellowship with God. The reason why the human condition is the way it is is because we have devi- deviated from that. Mm. We are the prob- If we are the problem, then we cannot be the solution. And so we <laughs> need someone who's not us to save us from us. And I think that's an inherent reality. Every human being, you don't really need a whole lot of evidence to know that there's something inside of us that's, that's broken, that, that needs to be fixed. All these things we want to do that are good, we end up not doing. Either we do the bad or we fail to do the good. Uh, we, have, we tend to seek our own way. Yes, is there good in us? Well, there is that image of God that's in us, but we all fall horribly short of our own standard, let alone God's standard. So how can it be that we're the solution? We can't be the solution. We are the problem. Mm. And that's what the Christian faith is so beautiful about, Perseus, is it tells us that Christ not only came to solve our problem by paying our debt for us, but the Holy Spirit lives in us now so that we are transformed over time through a, 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 a process of sanctification so that we can become the person we long to be. We can be long, more and more over time looking more and more like God's Son, like Jesus himself. Now, is that a perfect trajectory? No, it's full of bumps sure. on the side of heaven. Right. But that is, but, but, but you know, to, to wrap this up, I, I think of this phrase that uh, comes from an Islamic, uh, Islamic leader, actually, way, way back. He said something really profound, and he meant to describe what a good Muslim is, but he ended up describing a, what, 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 a, what, a, what a true Christian is. He said, among believers in God, there are three. There are those who worship God to attain his heaven. That is the worship of the merchant. There are those who worship God to avoid his hell. That mm. is the worship of the slave. But there are, there are those who worship God out of gratitude, and that is the worship of the noble and the free. Mm. So you notice something. If you're in a works-based system of any kind, you're either a merchant, you're a slave, because you're looking to try to get heaven or to avoid hell. But if you're a Christian, heaven is granted because of what Christ did, and hell has been avoided because of what Christ paid. And so you worship in gratitude, and that is noble, and it's free. Mm, Thank you. Thank you for those insights. For those of you joining us, uh, we have a special guest, Brother Abdul Murray. Uh, He's written a book called Grand Central Question, answering the critical concerns of the major worldviews, and uh, you can obtain it. I'm assuming it's on Amazon, correct? It's on Amazon and wherever you get your books. Or wherever you get your books. Now, before we go any further, um, we've been using this word, worldview. And uh, for our show, we always like to unpack uh, certain terms. So can you unpack that term, worldview, for our listeners? Well, absolutely. And this is, this, I'm so glad you asked this. This is such an important question. Because um, the simplest way to say it is a worldview is simply the way you view the world. But it's colored in terms of these questions, you know. Uh, in fact, you opened up the question. Said the most profo- one of the most profound questions is, you know, how did we get here? Our, our questions of our origin. So a worldview is is not just um, I'm a happy or a sad person, or I'm a religious or a non-religious person. That's not it. It's far more in depth than that. So take the question 
of um, origin. How you answer that question, how we got here, will determine much of your worldview. So if you believe, for example, that we are just um, a cosmic accident, we, we, you know, there was no prevision in mind, uh, this planet happens to have life on it and complex life like us because of random blind chance and forces that were at work, uh, you know, the DNA happened to form, whether it's an RNA world or whatever happens, and there's random mutations in the replication process acted on by natural selection and over millions of years, boom, you get us. And it was <laughs> all by accident. If that's the case, if that's how it works and it's all by accident, then the second question, why are we here? The answer is, there is no why. It just is. And if there is no why, then our world starts to not have an objective meaning. You have to punctuate the dreariness with our own sense of meaning. And if that's the case, then you'll be beholden to your own feelings and, and, and you, won't be, you can't be sustained necessarily by a sense that all of this plays into something. Julian Baggini said it so beautifully, yet so starkly, not beautiful in the sense that it was inspiring, but beautiful in the sense that it was so honest. You know, there was this um, a campaign in the UK, but it was with the British Humanist Association some years ago, where they were trying to get people to stop believing in God. And they said, on the side of buses and then the billboards all over the UK, they said, there's probably no God. Now stop worrying and enjoy your life. I'm not sure why that would help you not worry, <laughs> but um, they said it. But Bagini, who's an atheist, said, you know, the fact is there are lives that can go horribly wrong and there is no second chance to put it back together in. If there is no God, there is no second chance. There's no way to fix horrible lives. Could you really tell the parents of a child who killed themselves after 17 years of depression to stop worrying and enjoy their life? Can you really say that? The point he's pointing out that your view of how we got here mm. affects why we're here and purpose. And, and if you don't, if you aren't honest with that, then you're not really grasping your worldview. A worldview is how do you view the world and your place in it? Thank you so much. And, and that was clear to me. I hope it's clear to those of you that are listening. Um, one of the things you've kind of touched on is, um, we haven't used the term yet, but it's this whole idea of scientism. And mm -hmm. living in America, um, we are um, confronted with that on, on a daily basis of those that believe truth can only be obtained through scientific means. And your book right. touches on that. Can you uh, mm -hmm. sh share with us uh, your insights mm -hmm. on that topic? Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. Scientism is a specific term. And we have to make sure that the listeners don't confuse this with science itself. Right. Um, because because I, I, I know you and I are, we, we, of course, love that science is a thing, that people are good at it, and they're doing wonderful. In fact, you and I are talking the way we're talking right now, and people are listening to this because of science. Science has made this possible. Right. People applied sciences in a way that made our lives uh, better, I think. So we dare not speak against science itself. Right. Scientism, however, scientism is the view, that, as you correctly pointed out, that truth can only be known through the scientific method, um, which runs afoul of quite a few problems, actually. Um, uh, and the, the, most, the, the most serious one is the logic instability of the <laughs> idea of scientism. There's a logical instability here. 
David Hume, the Scottish skeptic, right. years ago, um, made the comment when he said this. He says, take any idea um, and ask yourself, does it measure something? Does it calculate something? Is it testable and experimental? Can we actually verify it through scientific means? He said, if not, cast it to the flames, for it is nothing but sophistry. The problem, of course, is that his very statement can't be calculated, right. can't be measured by scientifically or mathematically or weighed or measured or whatever it is. So his statement is itself sophistry. Right. The whole thing implode, uh, implodes under its own weight. Right. So, um, there, and, and there's plenty of things we can know without the scientific method, like that the scientific method itself is logical. Logic, right. history, these things are not specifically scientific endeavors, but we know things about the world uh, uh, in non-scientific ways. We have moral intuitions. Uh, the idea that there, can, there is even an objective morality and these kind of things, these are not based in science. These are based in philosophy. In Brother, fact, there's a whole field. Brother, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Brother Murray, uh, this is so good. But unfortunately, our, t- our 23, 25 minutes is up, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm enjoying it, and I'm sure our listeners are enjoying it as well. But thank you for being on Sound Reasoning, and we will be in touch. Thank you. Looking forward to the next time. You bet. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. And as always, we would like to thank our friends at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this broadcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a lot more. Have you ever felt conflict between your faith and feelings? If so, you're not alone. My name is Carly Mercouillier. I'm a licensed therapist and the host of the Therapy and Theology podcast, where we explore popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. I want to invite you to join me every Thursday as we fearlessly name the complexities of our reality, grow in the awareness of who we are, and rediscover the power and purpose of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. Subscribe today at lifeaudio.com.